Hello and welcome back, Rally Cappers. We have episode 14 right now. Today is January 27th. Uh, we've got a great interview today with Kyle Odegaard, the writer for the AZ Cardinals. Uh, just talking Cardinals football, NFL, Super Bowl, upcoming draft, and just a little bit into his career and what he does on a day-to-day. So great interview. Stick with us for that. And we're going to dive into some MLB signings and a little bit of – we haven't mentioned this in a, about a week and a half, but the Brooklyn Nets. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we, we've kind of like uh, talked about this, whether or not they're going to be better or worse with Kyrie, and I'm still not really sold. I, I mean, obviously, one side of their ball – one side of the ball is better. The other side, definitely not better. So – Uh, I think the jury's still out, but we're going to get into that a little bit more. And we've got today's pointless debate of the day, which him just bringing it up just blew my mind that (laughs) that we disagree on this, but uh, Jaime hit us. So I know, so I've been doing my research. I've been pulling the people. I've been hitting the streets. I've been talking to people, and I'm definitely in the minority here, but I do not understand the hype around mint chocolate chip ice cream i would say over 50 percent of the people i've asked tell me that mint chocolate chip is their favorite i don't get the mint with the chocolate it's like a bad no like peppermint patty the chocolate chips are awkward texture it's to perfect. be with to be with the mint i mean t will d- defend mint chocolate chip for me I, I i just don't get it help me help me see the light it's it's a nice transition from like the super sweet chocolatey like dessert i mean it's almost like a refreshing um like a cleanse like a palate cleanser of sorts but if you're eating ice cream you're already gone down that rabbit hole but it's minty it's it's basically healthy ice cream at that point oh man see that's that's a bad take t willie i don't i don't i don't have nutrition facts in front of me but i feel like you don't need them i feel like if you're eating an ice cream because it's healthy i feel like i've already won right now i i feel like that's a bad move well i wasn't quite prepared but i'm still gonna stick with my with my take that mint chocolate chip i mean i we're gonna post this on our instagram and i'm I'm probably gonna blow you out of the water on this poll guys you got a mint chocolate chip is fire and everyone knows that hit us up with this i don't get it for me i mean i'll go straight up vanilla instead of that give me some rocky road oh. you've got cookies and cream cookie dough neapolitan in case you can't make up your mind the the mint I'm, so are you one of those guys do you like the little chocolate mints at olive garden afterwards yeah are those oh yeah so am I the Andes? Yeah. yeah. Am I the weird one? Because I don't like those. Indeed. Yes, you are the weird one. Those, those are man. Those are bomb. All right, folks. Watch. There's a reason they've had those there for about 25 years now. It's because people like them. They keep coming back for them. I just feel like if I want minty, I'm and just gonna, I'm gonna have a mint. I don't want chocolate with my mint. Just give me the, give me the freaking mint. It's a nice little combo. It, it switches up. It makes it feel like it's like a, not the most unhealthy thing you could eat after stuffing 16 breadsticks and a load of noodles down your down your stomach do you feel like the texture of the chocolate chip is kind of they always kind of like like do you feel like that's weird in the ice cream at all the little the little the texture like the little chocolate chips no i love it no i love it <laughs> all right folks i might be wrong on this one this might just be like an emotional or mental hang up that that i have um hit us up on the uh, on the twitters on the instagram let us know if you are 
one of those psychos that love mint chocolate chip ice cream. Or if you want to come, come on the Gorito train and we'll go get some pistachio almond. Pistachio almond. Don't knock it till you've had it. Have you had pistachio almond? Never will I try it. Cause see, this is the problem. It, you're you're discriminating based because it looks gross. It's so good. It's so much better than mint chocolate chip. I'm no, telling you. If mint chip is there, there's no shot I'm choosing pistachio almond. If you were to try it one time, I'm sure I, I like it. I'm a fat guy. I love would, ice cream. You would not go back. To, so you, so to recap for the audience, T Willie's take is he's already eating ice cream, but mint chocolate chip is a less the healthy one of ice cream. I, I don't like this at all, folks. I think this is a classic. Don't let one decision, don't let one mistake turn into two mistakes. I might be wrong here, and that's fine. You guys are free to hate on me, but I'm gonna take my pistachio almond to the grave. Hit us up, let us know if you like the mint chocolate chip. Oh, all right. Yeah, we'll we'll get more into that on, on Instagram. You guys let us know what your thoughts are. Um you guys don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> I, I know you guys want mint chocolate chip. But without further ado, let's talk to Kyle Odegaard, writer for the AZ Cardinals. All right, let's do it. Hello and welcome here. We've got the writer for the azcardinals.com. Uh, he is the online voice of the team. And as you all know, we are Arizona Cardinals fans. Um, we want to thank our friend Kenny for getting this set up. But let's get Shout right into Hatch. it. Yep, let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let's talk about the Cardinals, and then we'll we'll dive on to the rest of the league. And um, I'll, I'll let Jaime start us off with the first question tonight. And just in case we missed it, we've got Kyle Odegaard on the pod today. So, Kyle, thanks for coming on, man. We we really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. Anything for you guys and Kenny Hatcher? Anything for Kenny Hatcher? That's the uh, yeah. That's that's <laughs> that's the uh, phrase of the day for sure. Um, <laughs> Well, maybe let's just, uh, to get started, just give us your, I kind of recap the season for us. What do you, so that the Cardinals finish at eight and eight, obviously, you know, ups and downs throughout the season. Uh, personally, I, as a, as a fan, I was really encouraged from what I saw from Kyler. I feel like there, there's a lot of building blocks there and they're moving, obviously being in a tough division, but I guess give us your overall summary, just your takeaways from the season. Yeah, I feel like The way it ended left a sour taste. I think the playoffs certainly seemed like a legitimate possibility. And, and the fact that it didn't happen was was disappointing to Cardinals fans. But I think you're right. I think Kyler Murray is is still going to be a star. I think we saw a lot of stuff from him as far as growing. He, I think he did a better job knowing when to run with the football this season. And having a good quarterback, especially a young one that's on a lesser salary than the superstar quarterbacks for the next yeah. couple of years, I think that's a really big deal. So yeah, I, I think it's a little bit disappointing that they did not make the postseason, but I do think you still look forward. It's it's a pretty bright future. For sure. I like how you mentioned that. It, it feels like it's been forever since we've ever had like a scrambling quarterback. So that was, it's actually nice to see a guy being able to get out of the pocket and run around and make some plays. Uh, speaking of that, who was your favorite player, uh, not just offense, but on either side of the ball that surprised you the most this year and, and kind of showed you that, that they're going to be here for, for the long haul? Yeah, I think, um, I think Chase Edmonds did a nice job of really, you know, coming in and having a role when Kenyon Drake re-signed, it kind of felt like Chase Edmonds might be the backup who got, you know, three to five touches a game played like 15% of the time. 
And, you know, you saw the season, how it played out. I think Chase Edmonds was one of their most important skill players on offense. And he's a guy who, even though they had Kenyon Drake, they let Chase Edmonds play a lot. Where he came from in his rookie season to where he is now receiving the ball, I've rarely seen a guy improve that much in a certain aspect of his game. And, and the guy just works extremely hard. So I think it's a testament to what he does in the offseason and, and getting his, his work ethic up, I think, is a big deal. So I think the, the job that Chase Edmonds did this season surprised me personally because I didn't expect him to have good yards per carry and catch so many passes. For sure. So what do you think they do at the running back position this offseason? Do you think they're going to uh... – they're going to try to re-sign Drake or, or maybe go, go to go through the draft or, I mean, they, they've kind of got almost every single option on the table. What do you, what do you think they do? Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's going to be a tough decision because you do have Chase Edmonds and, and he's a guy who I feel like could be the starting running back for a team. And if you want to give him 60 or 70% of the snaps, how much would you pay Kenyon Drake and would be, he be okay with coming back at a reduced number and salary? So I think that's the big question mark. Certainly seems up in the air to me, but from what I saw with Chase Edmonds, it feels like if he has a big role next season, that makes a lot of sense. And then if it's Kenyon Drake or not, maybe a, some sort of veteran running back to be that tandem like they had this season. Yeah, sure. no, that makes sense. I, I, uh, I like your point about Edmonds. That was, that was exciting to see. And I mean, just that tandem with him and Kyler, and then obviously the weapons they have on the outside. What, so I guess playing off of that, um, what do you, I guess moving into the draft, what do you what do you see as some of the Cardinals' biggest needs, or or what are some areas where you think they might look to uh, to target to uh, improve through the draft? Seem to me like number two wide receiver might be a void right now. I mean, Christian Kirk is probably better suited in the slot. Obviously, you've got DeAndre Hopkins, but the passing game wasn't quite as efficient as I thought it was going to be this season. And I think if they can add a number two wide receiver to give them another weapon on the other side, then if you're playing one high safety, you have to make a decision. Are you going to double and help on DeAndre Hopkins? Or, and if you do, do, you, do the Cardinals have that number two wide receiver that can take advantage of it? I think that was missing at times this season. And if they can to do that, I think it would help elevate the offense and then defensively, I think the big question mark is cornerback where Patrick Peterson's a free agent. Drake Patrick is a free agent. A lot of question marks about are they going to bring those guys back? Patrick Peterson. Peterson has obviously been contract you're going to get. So I think to me, wide receiver and cornerback are the top two spots. Yeah, for sure. Um I mean, so Bama's got pretty much like two or three guys at every single one of those positions. You think they just go with the smart play and and try to try to get one of those Bama guys? I mean, they've obviously proven that they can do it year in and year out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially you look at the the wide receiver, uh, the the skinny kid, Devontae Smith, I think is his name. Yep. I mean, he's just a star talent, and I don't know if he'll last. Probably won't last that long, but. I think if you can get a dynamic skill wide out, that, that would be a big boost. So I'm sure they'll look at a lot of those guys and they draft 16. So can you get a, a good wide receiver there? Probably. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do or if they're looking at wide outs, but if I were running, you know, the, the show, I'd be looking at wide outs. That makes sense. And I, I love that too, with supporting Kyler, right? Cause I, for me, I'm, so I'm, I'm not too heavy on uh, the X's and O's in football, but just as a, as a very casual fan looking around it, 
especially the way the NFL is, one of my kind of theories is you have to have a Super Bowl capable quarterback, or I feel like you really, your, your ceiling is just, uh, it's really capped. So, th- so that's, as a Cardinals fan, that's exciting. Um, kind of going off that, one of the things that we talked about a few, a few episodes back was breaking down the Rams. And I feel like, so the Rams were in a situation with Goff when he was on his rookie contract and they were able to bring in a lot of talent around him and build a really good roster. And he played up. And then that window, we'll see it. You know, I, I think it's still open for them, but it's closing really quickly. I think faster than people thought. Obviously, I don't think we're at that point with Kyler, but do you feel like there's a sense of urgency around the team where, as you mentioned before, he's on that rookie contract right now. That window seems to close a lot faster than than people think in the league. What What's your, what's your uh, feeling, I guess, around the, the sense of urgency or, or where the team's at in terms of making the playoffs and, and pushing forward next year? That rookie, that rookie quarterback on the on on their team. I mean, Patrick Mahomes on his rookie deal, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, like you said, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl on his rookie deal. It feels like it's just sped up in the NFL where you have to be competitive early on because of the way the salary cap is. So I agree completely. Like if Kyler Murray to me is a star and you have to put as many people around him as you can and, and get the wide receivers and get the offense humming. And I, I think these next two years, especially, I mean, he can renegotiate after next season. And if you're talking about a quarterback that's going to be making 35 or 40 million, whatever it ends up being, that takes away from what you can pay other guys. So completely agree with you. I feel like this, these next two years are critical to really try to push the envelope. And if Kyler Murray becomes a, a superstar, then you can still be competitive. We see it with Aaron Rodgers and, and other guys. Like if you have a great quarterback, you can still win. Russell Wilson's still doing it. But I think your best time is definitely when a guy is a great quarterback and he's still cheap. Yeah, no, that makes sense. For sure. Um, so I'm sure all the fans are curious and I, we're hoping you have had the chance to talk to Kyler. What, what's he like as a guy, like off the mic? I mean, is he kind of as you expect him to be or yeah he's uh he's real laid back and and chill I mean it's funny that some some people in the NFL try to put on airs and try to worry about the way they're presented in public and, and and you know and you can understand why because they have commercials and different things about you know when you're a superstar in the NFL a lot of people look at you but I like him because he's just really authentic and I appreciate that. Like, he'll just tell you what he's thinking. He's not trying to be super polished. And uh, I like those sort of players. I'd rather you tell me how you're feeling, even if it's not. The PC answer, because it's had in certain situations and he's kind of the same when he's talking to the media, he'll just tell you, yeah, I was mad because we lost. And, And some guys try to hide that, but I like that he's authentic. Yeah, for sure. I, that's kind of how I imagine it to be. That, that makes me happy to hear as a fan. Um, so I, I know, obviously, like either Kyler or DeAndre is the most valuable player on the team. Uh, but as far as who's the most important to the success of the cards, who, who would that be for you? Still Kyler to me. I think when you have a good quarterback, it's it's just everything in the NFL. And he he's, he hasn't quite put everything together. I think you see the skill set. And I mean, he's got to be one of the most frighteningly athletic 
quarterbacks we've ever seen. And the fact that he can throw the ball really well, I mean, he's got touch, he's got arm strength, he's got all these tools, and he's not quite a superstar, but I feel like it's right there. And if he can reach that next level, just the stuff he does with his legs and his arm to me is so unique. And I think because of that, that's why, like, like we were talking about earlier, I think this team still has a high ceiling these next couple of seasons because if he reaches that level, he's going to bring the whole team up with him. For sure. Um, so I know you have got to spend a little bit of time with some of the current and former players. Uh, do you have like a like a most memorable moment or a like a favorite moment with a certain player or a cool story that, that you've got about any of them? Um, trying to think of a good one. I guess it's a fun one um, going back to Chase Edmonds, even though I already talked about him, but I, I, I wrote on Twitter one time that Zane Gonzalez, this was a couple years ago when his, um, when his field goals were really good and he had a streak of like, he made like 12 in a row or something. And I, I tweeted that during the week, like Zane Gonzalez has made his last 12 field goals. And I got like 17 replies. People can talk. And then, of course, he goes out and, and misses his first field goal. And then right after the game, Chase comes up to me and he goes, you know, you jinxed him, right? Yeah. Like, Come on, Chase, you too? Uh, yeah, jinxed by tweet. That's that's like that Dr. Pepper commercial, you know, when he starts talking about like, oh, there's no way he misses this one. And then he obviously misses it. And they got him at the yeah. Yeah. and everything. That's awesome. I, I can't believe that there's like the announcers on TV when they still do the, you know, Tucker hasn't missed between 40 and 49 yards here. He's got this from 47. They're like, Oh, you jinxed him, Tom. Every I like, I don't know. How do we, how do we get that written into contracts? Clockwork. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, just don't say it. Just say it afterwards. But no, that's, that's awesome. That that's cool to have that. uh, I'm sure that's probably like a fun aspect of the job, just having those interactions and and getting to know the guys kind of off the field and and just who they are as people. Um, Do you have one thing I was kind of curious as someone who obviously knows the roster really well and is around the team, do you have a name for us or, or is there someone who you think is flying under the radar and maybe is kind of like a sleeper pick to make a, we mentioned obviously Chase Edmonds kind of taking a big step forward this year in terms of his, uh, his role in the offense. Do you have anybody that you're kind of targeting and you think is primed to make a big leap forward in their production next year? I think it's kind of an obvious one, but Isaiah Simmons to me is, is just a really freaky athletic player. And this season was a lot of learning and he was, you know, playing a lot of positions. So he had to learn a lot and the speed of the NFL is different where you still have to take the correct angles, even if you're super athletic, because guys are so fast that they'll still get past you. But I think, you know, he was just kind of a, a puppy running around there um this season and and didn't quite know everything yet but uh, like you guys I'm sure watching saw I mean he's just an athletic marvel who's crazy fast and crazy tall and he's got like this insane length to him when you see him when you see him in person And he's, I mean, he's all of six four snake next season. He's going to put it all together. And I think he's just going to be a playmaker. He can do so much that he's going to give you sacks and force fumbles and interceptions. I think he's a, a unique piece they can use on defense. Yeah, definitely. I remember that, that it was almost like the first play of the season against the Niners. Um, he seemed like he was kind of lined up a little bit out of coverage and he was confused, gave up a big play. And then they kind of sat him for a couple weeks um, but once they brought him back in and started getting him involved again, you can really see how fast he matured and how fast he learned 
uh, just from just from the experience of the game. So that, that that definitely was exciting. What do you think is his best position? Is like is it safety? Is it edge? Is it linebacker? I mean, he literally can do it all. Yeah, I mean, I think they they still like him in kind of the base defense at inside linebacker, but I don't even. I don't even worry about what his best position is because I think his best asset is moving around depending on a game plan. Like when they played mobile quarterbacks, they put him at outside linebacker. And I thought that's a really good idea. He's not like this great technical pass rusher yet, but when you've got those mobile quarterbacks, you can just chase them down and that's important. So I think in some games, if he does that, I think he, he did show he can play safety and he even played some slot cornerback in certain situations, maybe when you're playing more zone, but I think not pigeonholing him in one position is, is actually the most important thing because he's able to do a lot of different things depending on what the other team's trying to do to the Cardinals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, I was watching him in college too, and he was just so dangerous wherever they put him. So mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to see him continue to develop and be able to learn pretty much everything. Like you said, slot corner, linebacker, edge, safety, you name it. Um, as far as the Cardinals draft needs, I know we've mentioned like receiver, slot receiver. Are there any, what are their needs on defense? Cause I know they've got some free agents coming up uh, from their, from their D line. I mean, obviously Chandler Jones is coming back, but I know uh, Dennis Gardeck, Hassan Reddick and Marcus Golden are all free agents. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, obviously that's going to have to be a point of address. Do you, I mean, do you, is there anyone that, I mean, that like, is that a first round need or is that more of a third, fourth, fifth round need? Do you think? I think, I mean, you'll, they'll know what they have before the draft because free agency is first. And I feel like they're going to get somebody back. And if they bring back Hassan Reddick and you sign him to a multi-year deal, then you got Chandler Jones and Hassan Reddick, and then you're feeling pretty good. Or if it's Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones, however it works out, I feel like they'll probably get one of those edge rushers back. And then I don't think it's a big need because you got Chandler Jones on one side and you've got one of these other veterans on the other. And I think you're right. Maybe then you look in like the third or fourth round, somebody who's maybe more raw that, you know, you don't need more than 25% of the time next season as a rookie and they can come in and learn. And then maybe they take over uh, the the season after. So I, I think it's not as big of a need to me this season. Yeah. That, that makes sense though, too. Cause it's kind of, I guess they kind of got to approach it it's basically like they have a few, a huge free agent acquisition with Chandler Jones coming back. Cause they didn't have him last year and they're going to have him hope, you know, hopefully he's healthy and, and doing well next year. So that's, that's cool. And that, that makes me optimistic too. Hearing you paint that picture. Let's say they bring back, you have Reddick and Jones on the D line. And, and then if they can, I I'd love to see them go out, go out and target someone who they think could be a big time corner. Uh, I don't know what the draft is there, but then you have a great pass rush and maybe that's a good opportunity to bring in a guy who's a good athlete and, can be helped out. So no, I, I like that for sure. That, that may, that makes sense. Yeah. I think, I think cornerback is the biggest question to me. Like, are you, what are you going to do in free agency? And Steve Kime really likes. to have all of all of his position he wants instead of what he needs to get like if you've got a glaring hole at number one corner you almost have to take one early um, but if you if you're able to re-sign Patrick Peterson or get a, a veteran guy who you pay good money to then you feel better about it but I think corner is definitely a, a spot to watch yeah I, li- I like that I like that definitely 
Um, do, I mean, as far as like Hassan Reddick, I know he, what did he have like eight sacks in the last like three games? Do you think he almost like overplayed? I, I don't know the best way to phrase this. Maybe like overplayed his contract. Yeah, I mean, I I think going into the season, he was a guy who wasn't even a starter, and the fact that he came out and and did what he did. It was interesting because he played inside linebacker for three seasons and it didn't work there. And then they put him outside and he looked like a a first round pick based on, you know, that's what he was several years ago, never lived up to it. And he finally does. And it's good timing for him because now he's an unrestricted free agent and he only did one year. So I don't know if he's going to get like a monster deal, but anytime you get 12 and a half sacks and like you said, all the, all those together, I think he's going to get a pretty decent deal for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, all right, this is good. You, you've, uh, you've, you've answered my fears. I feel I'm feeling more optimistic about the season. I I'm walking back away from the ledge Cardinals fan. I'm going to make it. Okay. I kind of want to change track a little bit. Right. So obviously you're giving us awesome insight on the Cardinals, but I think um, your job too, Kyle, like, it's it's it just seems I'm sure there's things that get old for you but as like a sports fan the idea of covering sports and, and doing that for a living is is really cool what I guess maybe what's uh is there any like underrated aspect of the job or, or one aspect that you really enjoy or you think is cool that maybe you didn't know about prior to it get I guess take our listeners behind the scenes of what it's like to to be a writer for the team and and really you know living the life and covering covering the Cardinals Sorry, I kind of broke up a little bit, but uh, I got the the gist of what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think a cool thing to me is getting to know the personalities of these guys and it, people see them and they just think they're NFL stars and they think some guys are kind of cocky or have big egos. And the, for the vast majority of them, it's not the case. So I think that's a really cool thing where you get to know these players and they're all from these different backgrounds. And it's fun talking to guys that just got into the league and like a lot of them were super poor and then they come in and now they have a little bit of money and they're able to help their families out. And you see them grow sometimes when they're on the team for like five years from 21 years old to 26 and the way they've changed. I I just really enjoy the, the personal aspect of getting to know these guys beyond watching them. And, And then, you know, just seeing kind of the, the athletic skills up close, like when we go to practice and, I mean, all NFL players are great, but when you see somebody like Patrick Peterson and just the ease that he does everything with and and Tyra Matthew was in that category too, like the way they catch and throw the ball and and can do everything. It's just, it's just crazy to watch up close. So I really enjoy that aspect too. Like you, it never gets old seeing the, the best of the best do some of the stuff they do. DeAndre Hopkins, another great example now, just they make everything look so effortless and, and it's crazy to be able to see that up close. Right, that, that gave me two questions to ask you. Number one, uh, in the locker room, who's like the funniest guy? Like who's, who's the guy that you don't expect to be like that, that dude that's cracking all the jokes or the super like funny personality, but who is that behind the scenes? It's definitely DJ Humphreys is the dude that's always cracking. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> People up and you, if you've seen any more and he's, he's always getting on guys and having fun. And he, he's the guy with definitely the most personality on the team. And there's a few more that, you know, are, are, 
pretty loud and can be fun, but DJ Humphreys takes the cake. Nice. All right. So my next follow-up is like most athletic, pure talent. Um, I know you mentioned DeAndre. I'm sure Larry's up there. Like who's the guy that's just that freak athlete that you're like, who could probably be an all pro in any sport he wanted to be. It's Patrick Peterson to me. I mean, he, he, he's great at corner, but I bet you he could have been a wide receiver in the NFL if he wanted to. And then we'll do like charity events and go like I've, I've gone to diamondbacks games when they've thrown out the first pitch and some of them will do the batting cages and Patrick Peterson, the way he, he just gets in there and he's just like rope and line drives to the outfield. <laughs> There's a lot of Cardinals players that go in and they're popping it up and striking out and stuff. But yeah. Patrick is just unreal. He, I mean, I haven't seen him play basketball, but I heard he's like an amazing basketball player. And some of these guys are just purely football and that was their sport. But he is the dude that it's like anything he, he wanted to do golf. He's great at golf. Yeah, he's I've just heard that too. Really, man. Crazy athlete. Yeah. Jeez. Some some guys can do it all, man. I here I here I am just trying to not lose twenty golf balls every every time. <laughs> I know. No, that's that's cool. I I think that's like just as a fan, the getting to watch these guys, especially in practice too. Like I think that's I think that's so cool to see some of the stuff, just to see what these guys can do. I mean, it's it's uh, and I know that's to, it's totally different too. Um, like one thing that always stuck out uh, stood out for me was going to basketball games, right? And when you can get like on the court or on the field and, and, and see really what they're doing in the space that they have. So, so that's really cool. What's a, I guess, give us one. Has there ever been like, when you're doing, has there ever been a moment when you've been really nervous or was there, has there ever been like an interview or some, or someone that you had to cover a report on that you were kind of nervous to talk to or, or, or you were excited for, I guess, maybe someone that you looked up to when you were a little bit younger or any, anything like that, any interactions where you, you had that type of, uh, I guess, mojo going? Um, not, not from the Cardinals anymore. Cause I've been doing it long enough where the interviews aren't that exciting to me anymore yeah, yeah. um but when i was in college i eddie house was like my favorite player okay, growing up yeah. i went went to asu games watched him i was probably 10 or something so that's kind of like your height of little kid fandom when you think these guys are gods and watched eddie house and then he came back to the suns when i was probably a junior in college so i emailed the suns media relations i'm like hey i work for the asu newspaper can I talk to Eddie house about coming back? And they're like, yeah, we usually don't do that, but we'll make an exception since he's an ASU guy. I'm like, okay, nice. sweet. So I was like on pins and needles all day. They're like, <laughs> he'll call you. So I'm just sitting there waiting and waiting. And finally he calls and I still remember, I'm just like, hello. I'm probably like pipsqueak. And he's like, Hey, this is Eddie. I'm like, Hey Eddie. Uh, and then I got really nervous and <laughs> probably asked some dumb questions, but that was a fun one talking to him on the phone is, one of the one of the few times I've been starstruck talking to a player. That, For sure, I remember growing up uh, loving Eddie House too. Those those ASU teams were awesome to watch, and yeah. he pretty much carried them through. Dude he could was there. fill it up for oh, sure, yeah. for sure. Well, that that's a good that might be a good segue too. We didn't we didn't hit on this earlier. If you could just walk us through, maybe take us through like college. It sounds like did you study journalism in college, or what was your walk us through how you decided you wanted to go that path, and then how you end up where you're at right now. Yeah, so I started, I worked for the high school newspaper and I, through that, I got like a, a job with the East Valley Tribune newspaper, getting like typing in the box scores and
um, you guys probably write a, a home run or if you pitched. So I would type in those things for the newspaper. And that's when I kind of got into it and I realized I really liked it. So I went to ASU, studied journalism, worked for the school paper there and uh, kind of got my journalism degree and then went full time with the East Valley Tribune for about seven years or so covered high school sports, ASU, and some Diamondbacks. And then um, 2013 is when I switched over to the Cardinals. They had an opening, and uh, I knew Darren Urban from the from the newspaper East Valley Tribune. So he he let me know there was an opening, and and it worked out. So I've been there, man, almost almost eight years now. So it's been a quite a while. Awesome. Um, so I, I guess, um, yeah, that's pretty cool to hear the, the story about that. Just being a, I mean, obviously you were probably a fan of, of all the teams as well. So it's kind of cool getting to grow up and get to report about your favorite team. So that that's a pretty, pretty awesome uh, journey there. Um, so let me get into, bring us up to the current day. Uh, who do you got for this Super Bowl? Now that you, now that we don't have a dog in the fight. I don't know how I couldn't say the chiefs. I mean, they're just so dominant and having all those weapons, having Patrick Mahomes, I do think the bucks are a good team and it, it wouldn't shock me if they kept it close. And I don't know, I can't really see them getting a win unless they get a defensive touchdown or, yeah. you know, somebody muffs a punt and they get an easy score. Like if, if both these teams play well, I don't think Kansas city loses, but you know, it's, it's football and weird things can't happen. And, you know, covering Bruce Arians for probably five or six years. I love that guy. I mean, he was, he was always great to us in the media and really nice person and super blunt. So it was fun writing quotes with him, just saying whatever he wanted to. It's, yeah. it was fun to have some. Buddy unvarnished like that, but I think the chiefs are going to win. Yeah. I mean, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks are like the AZ Cardinals East almost, you know, like almost every single guy has come from the Cardinals. So it's kind of cool to see all those guys. Do you think Bowles gets a gets a job this offseason or you think he stays stays around and tries to get the head coaching job in a few years? Yeah, I, I think they're kind of running out of vacancies, but it wouldn't I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I think what Houston has an opening and Philly, maybe. Oh, no, Philly got their guy. So yeah, Philly signs maybe. Someone. So maybe Houston, if it works out, I, I mean, I think Todd Bowles is an absolute defensive mastermind. The stuff he did in Arizona was so fun to watch the way he moved his linebackers around and blitz so much. I mean, he plays such an aggressive style of defense. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. I think he'd be a good coach. I just, I don't know if it'll be this year. I'm sure he'll get another shot and yeah, it makes sense. Maybe he does do it in Tampa when, when BA retires or if something pops up beforehand. For sure. Watch, watching his defenses is a lot of fun. I just – I love, like – I love his commitment to uh, to continue bringing the pressure, right? Even when they get a lead and, like, so many guys kind of pull back on him. They put, I love how he just hammers the pedal down. That's uh, – I've always really respected about respected that about him. And, I mean, that's – we're seeing, too. I know, I know things didn't work out in New York the way he had hoped, but we're seeing that that organization has has some deep issues. Yeah, he won ten. Him. He won that ten was, games. There yeah, I mean, three that, years ago. That was uh, honestly that. I mean, that's super. That's super impressive. So that that's cool to see him in BA. I'm, and I'm sure it's cool for you to see them uh, to see them succeeding. And as fan number one on the TB12 bandwagon, we Kyle, I still believe. 
I still believe that they can get it. That they can get it done. I was gonna yeah. say the only way they can the only way they can win is if they had someone like maybe a Tom Brady or something. So. <laughs> I don't think it's a Hibberts, but I I feel like when you have Tom Brady, when you have I mean they got great receivers, they got a good defense, good coach. Like I think I think Tampa Bay could definitely stay in it, but. Tom Brady at 43 compared to Patrick Mahomes in his prime. I'll still take Mahomes. Yeah, and Tyreek Hill is just unfair the way he just, like, runs circles around that defense, man. It's unbelievable. And then if if Mahomes has any time, then Kelsey is somehow wide open in the middle of the field, and it's just a mismatch all the way throughout their entire their entire uh, lineup there. But um, I appreciate it, man. So how can we find you and the best way to follow you and get your information? Yeah, probably, probably Twitter. Um, if you want, I mean, right now there's not as much news going on, but once free agency gets close, start ramping up some of the positional previews and, and then obviously whatever happens, but my, my Twitter is Kyle underscore Odegaard, um, on there. And then azcardinals.com is where all our written content is do some podcasts, do some video stuff. So kind of, I started just as a writer, but obviously we started, you know, you start branching out, doing more multimedia stuff and that stuff's fun too, you know, talking and, and doing the video thing. So I'd say easycardinals.com and Twitter are the two best spots. Awesome, man. Yeah. We, we'd love to uh, circle back around with you as soon as uh, after the draft or as soon as the season gets started again. Um, well, we appreciate having you on. Jaime, you got any more questions for him? No, I mean, we're, we're all following the Twitter. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you want to throw down like a formal like gauntlet to challenge Adam Schefter. And if you're going to start like, in addition to the local coverage, you're going to be breaking like national news too. If this is going to be like Woj bombs, Kyle bombs. Have you ever dropped any breaking news? Um, It's harder to do when you work for the team because it's, it's less independent reporting, but in my newspaper days, yeah, I, I had a scoop or two. I was. Oh, there you go. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thanks, man. I I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, That definitely, I feel, I feel good about the Cardinals now. This this was good. Like I, you answered a lot of the questions. I I feel like there's a clear path here. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I, 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 uh, I wish it wasn't off season now. I'm kind of, I'm kind of ready to go. I know. Yeah. I had to take a week as soon as it all ended and kind of uh, decompress from it. Cause I was, I was a little upset about it, but yeah, we'll get through this. Yeah. We're, we're, we're we're back in on the up and up. So we appreciate you coming on Kyle. Thanks again, man. Yeah. Not a problem guys. All right. Okay. Let's get into some MLB signings. We had a whirlwind of signings over the weekend and let's, let's recap the NFL a little bit too. I forgot. Oh yeah. Was there, was there uh, were they playing NFL this weekend? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Did might've been a game. I think, I think the Tampa Bay, Tampa Brady Buccaneers won a game, but I'm sure we'll talk about that. Do, do we want to just get right into that right now with NFL or where, where are we going? Yeah, we might as well. Um, well, let me, I'm just going to take the mic yeah, out of T. Willie's hands here. You guys know uh, I'm in my TB12, one of my two TB12 shirts right now. I'm just, I'm living high. My fantasy hoops team is in first place. I've had the high point total for, four out of five weeks. I'm going to keep giving you guys pointless updates on that. So stay tuned. Make sure you uh, like and subscribe. But to the NFL, we're going to start in the NFC. Your Tampa Brady Buccaneers. 
take on the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, consensus, best arm talent, most talented quarterback of all time. He got screwed by having in Green Bay at home, the frozen tundra. Folks, the only thing you need to know from this game is the Tampa Brady, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers emerged victorious. And I don't want to hear about him throwing three interceptions. I don't want to hear about the Packers losing the game. The facts are that Tom is headed to his 10th Super Bowl. He's playing for his opportunity to win his seventh, seventh. You heard that correctly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven More than any rings. Franchise He's played won. in 14 conference championship games. And at this point, honestly, I just want to say, if you're still hating on him, if you still think he's a system quarterback, you need to look in the mirror. You need to do some evaluating of the statistics. And if you've ever played sports at any levels, you know that there are just some guys that when the chips are down, when it's a big situation, they get it done. And they may not look the best. They may not have the best best stats. But when the back's against the wall, they get that done. And, you know, I'm just going to let this hang in the air for a second. That was a sweet taste of victory. And uh, Tom's going to the Super Bowl. That's pretty much all I got on that. T. Willie, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I – I, I know I was a little late to the party. I jumped on the train pretty much last weekend because I was sick of having to try to bet my way out of wearing your Tampa Bay, like your TB12, like medium T-shirt. Uh, it's a large. It, it's more of a medium. A medium it's a large. stretchy medium. It's a, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, Tom is – the debate is pretty much over. It's there, over there's no way you can say that he's not the greatest of all time. Uh, I mean, the, the debate maybe, like, for best athlete ever is always still going to be be there just because it, different sports, it's very hard to compare the two. But, it, I mean, as far as football goes, Tom Brady is that dude. And no matter what – no matter who he's with, no matter what the circumstances are, whether he has to do it at home, whether he's in the snow, whether he's on the road, whether he's injured, whether he doesn't have receivers, whether he's thrown to a bunch of little white guys and Gronk, no matter what is happening, Tom Brady is getting himself to the Super Bowl, him and his team, I should say. And I think it's also important to notice how many guys like followed him down to Tampa Bay and I mean, I'm sure Edelman was just chomping at the bit to get down there with him. You know, like he was just dying for a spot on that team. And it's just a testament to to Tom Brady being to being that dude that you want to follow into battle. And that's what football is. It's legitimately a battle and you're going against like another team and you're just going to be literally wrecking your helmet straight into other guys and if you're going to do it with someone and you really want to be the best ever, you're going to follow Tom Brady and not necessarily Tom, or not Tom Belichick, Bill, Bill Belichick. Yeah. yeah. I blanked there, but see, folks, we're already forgetting about you, Bill. We, yeah. we, you lost Tom. We what's that? What's that guy's name? Never heard of her. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyways, I mean, so it's, it's basically been 19 seasons that Brady has played because he had the, in, the leg injury one year and then he sat his rookie year. But out of 19 seasons, he's been to 10 Super Bowls. Unreal. It, it's and in it's the something... most competitive era. This isn't the 60s. This isn't UCLA winning 12 straight championships in the 50s. This is modern-day salary cap era football. Right. Over half the time, if Tom Brady's your quarterback, 
you have over 50% chance of going to the Super Bowl. And let's also compare basketball to football. I mean, in basketball, there's five men on the court, right? Like LeBron James has such a bigger impact because he has the ball 90% of the time. the time. And yes, Tom Brady obviously starts with the ball every single time and he's But he can't do anything fancy either, right? Right, but this is a 22-man sport that Tom Brady is carrying his team in every single year like in baseball, it's a nine-man sport. And you don't see Mike Trout being able to do this kind of stuff. You don't see the Ken Griffey Juniors, you don't see the Barry Bonds getting to do this kind of stuff. Even the pitchers, it's it's not the same and Tom Brady He's on a different level. There's, I mean, obviously Mahomes, we're going to have this discussion years down the road. I mean, episode like 1000, we're probably going to be talking about Mahomes in the same exact position. But as of right now, as of today, Tom Brady is the greatest to ever do it. I know that was a long, long winded answer to say that he's the best ever, but he deserves every single second of that. And he has done it for two straight decades as being the most dominant player that we've ever gotten to watch. And congratulations to you because I know you've been cheering for him. I know I've been cheering against him for a long time, but I, I, I do need to give the kudos to, to where the kudos is due. So congrats, Tom. It's, it's a good day for TB12 Nation, absolutely. Uh, and one thing to think about too, so coming into this game, uh, Super Bowl, and we'll we'll hit on we'll hit on Bills Chiefs. I mean, honestly, there's there's not a whole lot to say there other than you know the Chiefs outplayed the Bills and the Chiefs are the better team and they're they're moving on. But coming into this game, we're getting the billing of Mahomes and Brady as you know the goat versus basically the future, the guy who. And I'm seeing a lot of stuff out there about people talking about how Mahomes is gonna easily surpass Brady Brady and all this. And I just just think about it, it to put it in perspective a little bit, right? If Mahomes wins the Super Bowl this year, okay, so if he beats Tom, all he has to do is win more Super Bowls than everybody in the history of NFL quarterbacks except for two, and he will tie Tom Brady. Okay, so we're giving him this year. He's still got to win four more. Okay, so he's got to be Montana. I mean, It's not if Tom Brady doesn't win next year. Exactly. So, I mean, just to put that in perspective, again – I, I know you guys don't want to hear me rant and rave about it all the time, but I, I really feel like uh, this is something just as a sports fan for me personally, I might be a little bit different. I don't know if this is why I don't like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Maybe it's not related, but I've always been a guy that really loves dynasties. And I, I just think it's really cool when someone can sustain excellence over a long period of time. Uh, that to me, that's always appealed more than an underdog just because in pro sports, it is so hard. So I, I you know, shout out Tom Brady. That's really awesome. T. Willie, I wanted to pivot though. Aaron Rodgers, he is universally regarded as maybe the purest passer of the football. I've heard numerous people, um, front office guys, current players, receivers say that he has the best arm talent that we've ever seen at the quarterback position. I tend to agree. He's got one Super Bowl championship. He's only played, he's got one Super Bowl. He's only played in one Super Bowl. He is now, I believe, one in four or one in three, one of those in conference championship games. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers never makes another Super Bowl, where do you look at his career as a disappointment? And and do you is he is he trending towards kind of getting a rep as someone who choked a little bit in the playoffs? Or what what's your what's your take on Rodgers and his legacy right now as it stands? Yeah, I mean, 
it, I mean, he obviously he cannot get it done when it really comes down to it. That, that third and eight, I think it was on like the maybe not eight, but third and six plus whatever it was, third and goal when they needed him the most, and he he broke through the line and he had a chance. Like he had the choice to either run and like probably come up with like a collision at the actual goal line yeah. or to throw it into double coverage to, uh, I want to say it was Tanyan that was there. I think so. Yeah. And to me, that was like the, the ultimate depiction of, of Aaron Rodgers, like the, the sacrifice between going and taking the massive hit at the goal line and trying to get yourself in the end zone and like getting to that next level of glory and getting to the Super Bowl. I, I think if if you put Tom Brady in that exact same situation, there's no doubt in your mind what Tom Brady's trying to do right there. He is going for it, and he is going to win the game no matter how he possibly can. And I, I hate to keep comparing them together, but at the same time, you kind of have to because when we're looking at the greats versus the almost greats and the, the guys who, who are just good enough to get there, Aaron Rodgers doesn't necessarily make the decisions to make himself the greatest. And yeah, I think he is going to be a little bit tainted in that, in that sense that he doesn't actually get the job done when he really, really needs to. And we could also, I mean, we can go back and forth all day on this. We can make the argument that maybe he doesn't play for the same type of caliber teams or doesn't have the same caliber coaches or he's in, I I don't know. We can, we can make every single excuse in the world For for him. But at the end of the day, he had like that that one play sums it up perfectly he for me. It done. Yeah, he's, he's been there now four to five times. I think we, I think it was five. I think he's one and four, and we'll we'll fact check that. But I mean, that's those are the statistics. He's been. It's not like he's been on a non-contender and never had those opportunities. He's been there, and it, and we can tear it apart. And yeah, he's not a Matthew Stafford kind of guy. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I just think to me that's another. I think people are so quick to assume. That people are so quick to assume success, right? And so people think if you put if you put Rodgers in the Patriot system that he just wins six Super Bowls, and and he's showing you, Aaron Rodgers is showing you, arguably the most <laughs> excuse me talented quarterback that we've ever seen, maybe in the history of football, definitely in our generation, has failed a ton in the biggest stage. So he's just it's it's showing how difficult it is, and I don't know that that's an indictment on him, but I think it definitely serves to. Um, I guess bring recognition to those guys that get it done in those moments and, and just how tough that is. So for Rogers, we'll see. I mean, the, the clock is ticking. He, he, it's not like he doesn't have, I know there was a lot of talk that under McCarthy, maybe he was, you know, he was suffering and they weren't, the Packers weren't doing, yeah, they weren't, the Packers weren't supporting him with the, the weapons that he needs. But I mean, this Packers team, they had the weapons, they had the weapons, they had the team. And for the record, I do want, rally caps on podcast to to just point out that both you and i were on the packers not having what it takes to win the nfc since about week 12 of the regular season so i think i pretty much called it from the get by saying they're they're a home run hitting team and if someone can figure out how to stop them from doing it i mean because in the first quarter with valdez scantling they hit the home run and then the packers smartened up they stayed back and then they were, they were just laying the wood after that. And they were hitting them so hard that they did not want to even think about hitting those home runs later in the game. And they were scared to move the ball down and, the field. And they were pressuring. I mean, Todd Bowles. Devontae was not comfortable no, all night. No, absolutely. They, they had a great game plan. And, and Tampa Bay's defense played played well. And, and, you know, the reality is, like, Rodgers didn't make those plays. I think 
you, people are going to look back at this game 10 years from now and they're going to see the stats and they're going to say, you know, maybe Brady didn't play that well, but the fact remains, they put up a big, they, if you, if you tell me coming into the game, what, what was the final of that game? Do you know? 31, 26. Right. So if you tell me coming into that game that the Bucks are going to put up 31 points, I like that number. That's a, that's a good number. I mean, that's a good amount of points. I like that. And then also too, to see what, that last drive in the first half, throwing that touchdown pass to Scotty Miller, Miller that was the game. The the balls, right? To go for it to do and Arians even said afterwards that that Tom said, I got this, I want this, this is the opportunity, we're gonna capitalize on this matchup. That's that's what I'm talking about in terms of the pedigree to make that play, to make a play when I mean that's the game. You just said it, right? Yeah. Uh, so you know, they made the, the credit, shout out Tampa Bay, they made the plays um when they needed to. Green Bay didn't. Uh Green Bay pretty maybe not underrated, maybe just properly rated annoying fan base as well, right up there with the Cowboys. I'm sorry for you cheeseheads, uh, but yeah, you're close, but yeah, you're not, you're not Tom Brady. I mean, that's what it is. That's what it is. So let's, let's kind of segue into it. Um, the chiefs and the bills. I was all aboard the bills bandwagon bills mafia. I circled all the wagons. I, I had ordered some card tables. I was getting ready to jump through them. Um, Amazon has a good return policy though. So you'll be fine there. That's, right? that's a good point. That's a good point. Yep. Always guys, little pro tip too. I mean, you guys might be onto this, but when you get the box from Amazon, just, just open it carefully. And then if you need to return it, just ship it back in the same box. I mean, even, even those little plastic baggies, it's, it's an easy thing to do. Um, save box yourself cutter, some time. Box cutter goes a long way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, Buffalo wasn't ready. The Chiefs outclassed them. The, the Chiefs were the better team. It wasn't particularly close. This game, this game was pretty boring, yeah. honestly. Well, Tyreek Hill is just so unfair. Man. Why is he so fast? I don't understand. Every single guy they have with every single guy that gets the ball on the Chiefs, it looks like. I mean, it's almost like those video games when there's a guy that gets like turbo mode. Yes. And they just immediately left become trigger, left triggers held down for Tyreek yeah. Hill the whole game. They immediately become the fastest man on the field as soon as they have the ball. Whether it's Nicole Hardman, whether it's yes. Robinson, even Kelsey like looks like he's way faster okay. than he should be. And I, oh man, they're just they're so dangerous. And especially Mahomes when he's like in the pocket. It, it almost seems like I, when I was watching the first half, I was like, man, the Bills are so close. Like, on some of these plays, they're so close to getting to Mahomes. Yep. But, I mean, I don't – I think if you were to ask Mahomes, like, hey, were they close to no, getting you? Yeah. No, they're not close to getting you, man. Like, you're, dude, you're just – he is just, like, punking them. You know, he's setting them up, and he is – he is one step ahead of everyone, like – mentally physically and just in this like as far as the game goes he is such a mastermind as far as him being able to get into space and he sees his move before it happens and it's it's honestly just beautiful to watch i mean he's he's incredible how how good he is and i i saw like one of the wildest stats that he hasn't lost by more than a score since 2017 since he was in college unbelievable and that, that, that's that's wild that's a dangerous that's a dangerous stat if you're i mean not that it has anything to do with the super bowl this is obviously going to be like a one score game unless somehow the chiefs can figure out like how to just pull away which they very very easily can do but they are so fast and i mean obviously tom brady's going to have his hands full but again let's not count 
count Tom out. Like we've, we've been saying this for four straight weeks. He's been the underdog. He's not supposed to win. He's a three point underdog. He's not going to do it, but here he is, you know, and it's the final, the final level. You're playing the ultimate boss, Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's the now guy. He's, he's what everyone said. I mean, he's, he's the dude who's in his prime and he's ready to win. They've got the best roster and, I'm truly excited. We're going to be talking about this for the next two weeks. So we're not going to dive like too far into analytics or stats or anything tonight, but I'm very, very excited uh, just for both sides of it. Both teams look like they're going to be fairly healthy going into it. Yep. Hopefully Antonio Brown's going to recover, get a little healthier, yep. be ready for the Super Bowl, And they're also going to get Winfield back, I believe. Huge, which is, which is huge for them. Yeah. I mean, to win without him, especially facing the chiefs, right? They're going to need all the help they, they can get in the in the secondary. But. Yeah, and the Bucks can hit. Let's not forget, like it. They've it, got playmakers on the defense. Yes. They, if they if they can pressure Mahomes the way that they pressured Rodgers, so listen, the Chiefs are a juggernaut. Everybody knows that, right? We're not breaking news here. Yes, we get it. Like they have unlimited weapons, and Patrick Mahomes is is amazing. Like, yes, all those all those things are true. But I really down to one game. Absolutely. It's one game. And I, I just love, I feel like the bucks are, they're just meshing as a team and they've got, they've got that good juju going. The defense is making huge plays. Tom feels like he's in command of the offense. They're going to get Ronald Jones should be all the way healthy. Like you said, they get Antonio Brown back. I really don't think, I really think that the bucks have a good chance in this game. Honestly. I mean, We'll we'll see what happens. Uh, when I keep thinking of this matchup, all I think is the is that P Diddy song that's playing when Tom Brady's walking on the tarmac uh, after the game. Bam bam, bam bam, yeah, bam bam, and he's just shrugging again. He's got his eyebrows up. Yeah, he's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I, I know you guys didn't yeah. want this. No, definitely. This is a. Uh, no, it's it's gonna be good. I'm I'm excited for this. Definitely. This this is this will be this will be an all time matchup. This will be this will. I hope we get a legendary game. I hope this is just an epic game. Maybe we get some OT here, uh, something that people will be talking about for a long time. But we'll have more uh, hard-hitting analysis, breakdown of the stats as we go. But just kind of want to lay that out for you guys. Uh, yeah, what do we want to get into? So that's pretty much Super Bowl. Do we want to start to get into some baseball news? Yeah, let's talk baseball. There's been a couple signings. So we've – the the dominoes are falling as as they say. I mean, we've been kind of been waiting for this yep. for a good month and a half now, thinking like who's gonna make moves, who's gonna start signing some guys. And we have a couple guys that signed. And before we actually do that, let's mention we forgot to mention this last episode. Yes. We we really blanked on this and dropped the bar. Our there. our deepest condolences here. Uh Hank Aaron, we lost another legend. I know we lost Tommy Lasorda a couple weeks ago as well. But Hank Aaron, is is he your true home run king or or no? Man, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I it's hard to take it away from him. Obviously, Barry Bonds, I have tremendous respect for him. He's the greatest hitter that I ever saw. But you know, I mean, he he used performance enhancing drugs, and I'm not. I don't say that to criticize him morally or as a person. I don't think he was doing anything that most people weren't doing, but but he doesn't break that record if he doesn't yes. if he doesn't take PEDs. I, yeah, I that with the PEDs he breaks the record. Without it, he's still the greatest hitter, but he doesn't get the home run record. Absolutely not. So yeah, I, I'll I'll say Hank Aaron is my is my all time, and Hank Aaron too. I never hit fifty homers in a season. I think he only hit forty homers a couple times. So 
just a tr- like the, the longevity of that career. I think I saw he made 23 all-star games. I mean, I mean, and he's career RBI uh, leader. So he was just an absolute machine yeah, driving runs in. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, did a ton of work and, you know, he was really at the forefront too of um, like racial integration into baseball too. I mean, it, it, yeah. exactly. And he went through, he spoke later on just like all the death threats and the stuff he faced going on during that, uh, during that home run chase and how, how stressful that was for him. So that's something that I feel like, he cannot get enough credit for doing. And then also to just be, to be the class act that he was right. To, to go through that stuff where you are just playing a game, you're doing what you love, trying to provide for your family and you're getting death threats and you're having to hear this and, and especially doing it in the South, right. And in, in yeah. Atlanta, that's a, you know, the baseball world lost one of the true all time greats. I know this past year was the most members of the hall of fame to die in a calendar year in the history of of the hall of fame so you know just the our deepest condolences to the family of uh you know hank aaron hammered hank and uh you will always be remembered for your contributions to baseball and and what you meant to the game and just your your standard there there were flashier players i think he got over overshadowed by willie mays throughout a large portion of his career but in terms of the longevity and consistency of production um, there was really no one that could do it like like Cameron Hanks. So, for sure. And yeah, there, there was something. I mean, I know this is a cliche again, but you, it's only it's only it's hard not to be cliche with someone like this. He was bigger than baseball, and he was bigger than what the sport meant at the time. And he really changed the game for thousands and hundreds of thousands of people going forward. And we'll never forget what he did for for the sport and just for his community as well. So. Rest in peace, good sir. Um, he he's still my home run king. Yep, yep. He'll be smi- he'll be smiling down from uh, from up above on this next baseball season. So haven't haven't got another good one. Yeah, and I, I'm sure he subscribed to our episodes as well. So thank you, thank Appreciate you again, it, Hank. All right, let's get into the free agents here. We've got the Minnesota Twins have just signed Andelson Simmons, shortstop from the Angels. Uh, they got him on a pretty big deal. One, uh, not not too big, honestly. I, I, I take that back. One year, $10.5 million deal. So uh, I think we were talking about this before we even started. The one-year deal is a great idea for teams. No-brainer for teams. Yep. So I, I'll be honest. I don't know how this impacts the Twins because um, they were – They got Donaldson. They were playoff – Twins made the playoffs last year. Yep. First round, yeah. Yep. Twins were a playoff team last year. Simmons is a great player. Um, it's it's a good move for them. I mean, you 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 literally can't go wrong on a one on a one year deal. I, all I know about Angelson Simmons, watching him play defense, guys. If you're if you're a casual baseball fan or you're not really sure about it, go to YouTube and type in Angelson Simmons and just click on the def- defensive highlights one. Uh, any of those it's it's absolutely insane watching I, I will never forget uh you know Travis Darno I think he's still playing the catcher Andrelton Simmons there is a play you guys can find this on YouTube so he did it to Darno twice Simmons is playing short Darno hits a hits a screamer the third baseman dives for this ball and Simmons fields it in like left field and just picks it up and hoses darno at first and then there a couple years later he pretty much did the same thing to him uh it's just he's 
I mean, he's maybe the best defensive infielder that I've ever seen in my lifetime. And he's, he's developed into a sneaky, good offensive player. So 297 last year, that's big time for sure. I mean, especially the twins have a great lineup. They, they were the league leading team in home runs two years ago. Yeah, no, for, for the twins, you have to, uh, you have to like this. You couple this with some of their moves this offseason, adding Hansel Robles and Jay Happ. So uh, if they can bring back N- Nelly Cruz as well as uh, some of their young talent developing, you got to like the, the Central should be interesting there. The White Sox have a lot of young talent as well, too, but it's definitely a good, a good signing. And uh, Simmons is a classic example of why old school baseball people that don't want to look into some of the analytics or things like that this the the war and some of these analytics really prove a lot of great old school so you have a guy like Simmons who isn't the best offensive player in the world although he's become a good offensive player but if you go back to 2017 he posted a 7.8 war which is basically MVP level and that's primarily on the strength of his glove he hit 14 homers and had 38 doubles that year so that's kind like of an average player. Yeah. It's just, that's just a tangent, but that's my, that's my whole thing for these guys is like, if you're an old school baseball player, old school baseball guy, and you love defense and base running, like some of these analytics give you a chance for a player like Simmons to really showcase his, his true value and impact. So that's a good move for the twins. Keeping it moving another shortstop and T Willie, I am, I kind of shit on the Jays last time talking about Springer and saying, I didn't really understand too much of that. The Jays make a, in my opinion, what is a huge move. They sign Marcus Simeon to play shortstop for them. They have a, he is on a one-year $18 million deal. I love, I love, I love, I love, let me go on record saying I love this signing for them. Um, We'll see. It looks like he's probably going to play second for them initially this next year, but he's, he's got, he's got positional versatility, right? He could probably play any of the infield positions. Uh, and th- to me, this is a great, this is a great buy low situation for them because he's coming off a 679 OPS in 2020. If you revert back to 2019, he hit 285 with 33 homers and OPS of 892, finishing third in the AL MVP. So small sample size. If you would have told me that, I would have been like, wait, what? It's crazy. And I only know this because when we did an earlier episode and I was looking through free agent signings to see what he put together. So the point I'm making here, I think this is a huge move for the Jays. It's super low risk on a one-year deal. There's no downside to this. I think they're betting on a guy who's going to see some positive regression this this next year. Um, you, and and then also too some some things I didn't mention in that last in that last episode is they did have they did add Tyler Chatwood and Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates, you go back two years ago, is arguably Stood. the top reliever in. Uh, Major League Baseball, shout out Yavapai Community College, Arizona JUCO. Here we go, JUCO Nation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love this move for the Jays. I'm definitely a little bit more optimistic. Man, if the Jays can somehow sign Trevor Bauer, are they dangerous? They're dangerous in that division. T Willie, what what's your what's your thought on the Jays? I need to go back. I I actually looked up Nate Pearson, and that dude is filthy. Uh, I, I, yeah, hand up. I, I did not know who Nate Pearson was. I did not do my homework. I went back and checked out a couple highlights from him. He's their number one prospect. So, uh, he's young. I was kind of sleeping on him a little bit. Didn't really see him, but I, I'm going to go back on my take there. Nate Pearson. If, I mean, if he has a good year this year, then, I mean, now you've got, I mean, like, I mean, I kind of said like Nate Pearson's your number two, you know, but 
Now, if you got Nate Pearson, your number two, yeah, hey, like look how fast that changes, especially when you add another bat to your lineup, like a guy who just finished third in the MVP two years ago. So, um, it's an arms race in the East for sure. Yeah, like like you said, if they can get Bauer or land another guy, I mean, you know who's still out there? Um, Tanaka. Tanaka is out there and Trevor Williams is out there. I know he's not like necessarily the most flashy guy as far as numbers go, but he's averaged like 168 innings over the last four years. And he's a guy that can really like staple the back end of your rotation and really like keep that rotation moving through. And you can really, you can have a guy that eats up innings and continues to keep you in ball games especially if you got a good lineup i mean he's been let, let's go to him he's been pitching on the pirates like Whoa. so he's he's been on the one of the worst offenses in the league for the last four years and he's done really really well honestly as far as keeping him in the game and i i feel like he does not get nearly nearly enough credit as to how good he is of a pitcher and if he gets on it if he gets on a roster like the the blue jays or the mets or or one of these like contender teams, then I think that's going to be a massive signing for him. And he can really, he can really make an impact. You still got Jake Arietta. You still got uh, Mike fires available. You've got um, Gio Gonzalez is still out there. Uh, there there's, there's a couple old vets that I necessarily wouldn't be going for, but you, you've got, you've got a ton of arms that are still left in this thing. Uh, you've got Chris Archer too, who's, I thought he got signed, actually. I, I want to say he did. But regardless of what I'm saying, there, there's still an arm or two out there that if the Blue Jays go out and get maybe one more arm that can help them last through the regular season and go into the playoffs with these, with Nate Pearson, Rue, and maybe one more stud, especially if it's Bauer. I mean, they, they immediately become a contender. Obviously, whoever gets Bauer is going to be a – a serious contender because uh, he he's just improved year over year over year. But uh, I, I'm excited now for the Blue Jays. It, the the East it seems like they're kind of like not in a league of their own necessarily, but they are they are like the top of the East is like the the fabled spot in, in the American League. You know, I mean, obviously the West has been been pretty down these last couple of years with the Astros just kind of dominating it and the A's sneaking in there every so often. The A's, the A's are always going to be that team that kind of just plays better than they actually are. Overachievers. Yes. They just, yeah. they're like the St. Louis Cardinals yeah. in that sense. You know, they just continue to play better than they actually are. But I mean, we were talking about this earlier. If a guy has a bad swing and he keeps getting base hits, is, is he good or I mean, at at some point you have to look at the production and say that that the production is what it is. No, it's it's a good point too. Willie. The top of the AL East is loaded. Um, I love this move for the Jays. I got on them pretty heavy about the George Springer signing. Maybe they knew that this was coming down the pipeline. I think it makes to me it makes a little bit more sense now that they're really putting together a roster that they feel like can go win in the next couple of years. Uh, you also bring in another vet to help help stabilize some of the young guys. So. Yeah, I like this move. Let's see. Let's see what's going on. Is Tanaka is Tanaka still a free agent? Masahiro Tanaka has he signed yet? Are we? I, that's surprising to me that he, especially as a Yankee fan, I've always loved Tanaka. I feel like he was one of the few big time international signings that has really delivered on that. Um, so I'll be interested to see what's going on 
what's going on with him. I'm so, yeah, look at, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It looks like he's even in talks about potentially returning back to Japan. I just, that would be wild. I don't know, man. What, as a Yankee fan, what do you, what do you think? Are you, so Tanaka is a classic guy that I would love to, I'd be all about overpaying him on a one-year deal. I, I, exactly. I have no problem with giving him a one-year 25. What do we got here? Yeah. So it's looking like, according to baseball reference, he's, He's likely Japan. He's likely to head back to Japan, and I don't know too. He's 32. He's accomplished a like lot. A hometown thing. Yeah, he's accomplished a lot here. Um, so maybe this is just more a, uh, you know, like a family move. He he just personally wants to move, move back and get home, which you know, I to- totally respect. But if I'm the Yankees, I'm going after, I'm going after this guy. I mean, in seven years, he's got a career 3.74 ERA with them. He's 78 and 46. I mean, he's been he wins. He's been a huge arm for them, right? I, I he, he double digit winner every single year, other than the COVID season, which he was three and three, which with a three five six ERA, which that that should have gotten him more than three wins. But every other year than that, he he's thirteen and five, twelve and seven, fourteen and four, thirteen, twelve, eleven wins. I mean, he's he's maybe not the ace that they expected him to be, but he's definitely a guy that. You can keep in the rotation, and yeah. he's going to be good and get you wins in the playoffs, which are which are the most important thing at the end of the year. Yeah, no, I mean he's been he's been a. Uh, I love Tanaka. I mean, as a, as a Yankee fan, I, I've I've enjoyed watching him pitch and compete. Um, so we'll we'll see. I, I'd love to see. I'd love to see the Yankees. Just looking at his WAR values too. Just one thing to touch on that. He's been. You know, he's 3.1, 3.1, 5.2, 1.2, 2.4, 1.9, 1.2, and then 0.7 in the shortened season. So he's been he's been an asset for the for the Yankees every every year that he's that he's been there. So we'll see what happens with that. I'd love to see him back in pinstripes, maybe overpay on a one or even two year deal. But um, the next big domino to fall, and this might maybe you know arguably one of the biggest free agents this offseason, JT Realmuto goes back to the Phillies on a five year deal. He signed for five years, 115 million dollars um so this is going to set the average the record for average annual value for a catcher at 23.1 uh that's going to top joe mauer's previous of 23 man joe mauer got paid shout out joe mauer great name but yeah real muto man he he's a great player super athletic as a catcher obviously the pitch framing thing has been huge for him because we see just how valuable he is for the phillies i guess I guess the real question is, where are we at on the Phillies this year? Do you think are the Phillies a because they they kind of shit the bed last year? Yeah, I mean right? they, they keep their nucleus together, but I don't know if they're necessarily like the contenders that people thought they'd be. I mean, Bryce Harper is like he's good, but I mean he's again he doesn't carry them. He's just good. You said yeah. it all right. He's Bryce Harper's good, not great. He, he's not the guy that we expected him to be when he was originally coming into the league as the the ultimate five-tool guy. Um, I mean, they finished third last year. And, I mean, they've, they've underperformed a couple years in a row now. It's not like they've, they've done that well for, for multiple seasons now. I mean, and they, they seem to – their pitching staff gets older and older every single year. And they um, – yeah, I mean, they're still kind of like right in the middle of that. They're a 500 team. I mean, obviously 500 is two or three games away from getting yourself into the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs in baseball, everybody knows that whoever's in the playoffs has a chance to win it no matter what. And if you've got your your pitching, 
then then you can you can definitely be there. But I, I mean, as far as Philly, I, I mean, signing him is good. Do you think you, you you stay at five hundred? But you got to make another move other than yeah. other than getting Real Muto. The, for me, the Phillies are in a tough spot because they've they've committed a, a large amount of money to a few players on their roster, and they've positioned themselves as uh, you know championship contenders, but they're they're really not. I mean, they finished third last year. The year before that, they finished dead even, eighty one and eighty one, and they're in a division now where the Mets have loaded up. I think we all think that we all expect the Mets to be really good moving forward. Um, the Braves, I love the Braves. The Braves have their young nucleus locked up. They're getting, they're getting Soroka back on the mound too. So I, I think they're positioned to take a step forward and the nationals, the nationals took a step back last year, but I expect them to be better this year too. So that leaves the Phillies. They've got a good young rotation. I mean, their, their oldest starter is 30 years old. Zach Wheeler. Yeah. But God, Zach Wheeler's 30 years old. I feel old. Uh, yeah, I do feel old too, man. Uh, but I mean, again, like they don't, they still don't have like that, that playoff type rock, like that pitching rotation that you see coming in and be like, okay, even if they get in as a wild card, they're running out, <laughs> excuse me. They're running out Aaron Nola. And then I, I guess Vince Velasquez is there too. Yeah. Or, or is Wheeler there too? I, I don't know. I think that I, I don't know. And I think that kind of answers that the answers question. It, right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think for the, for the Phillies, this, I mean, we're going through the depth chart here. They, they, I think they're in a tough situation. And I think this is a signing where, you know, that's, that's good value for Real Muto. I mean, he, they definitely, they definitely didn't overpay for him, but I just don't know they're in a tough spot, right? They've got the, the Phillies are in a tough spot. I don't, I don't see an easy way out of this. Cause ideally I would say you're not, they're not a top two team in the East for me. I don't expect them to be better than the Mets or the Braves. And I don't know that I even expect them to be better than the nationals and the Marlins made the playoffs last year. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, this was one of those things where they just couldn't afford to get yeah it's 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 tough and especially in a market like philly you can't just necessarily tank um and and with all the money they've committed to harper we'll we'll see i mean this is this is a lesson in uh what kind of happens when you go when you kind of go all in and get committed to this championship timeline and then it doesn't always necessarily work out i think i think this could end up being a little bit of an ugly situation for the phillies they kind of had they're almost kind of headed down a repeat of some of the end years of Ryan Howard, Jay Roll, where they where they had a huge payroll and weren't necessarily competitive. So we'll see what they can do. But baseball, the market's moving a little bit. We're starting to see some deals. Uh, I think it's kind of surprising that you're seeing some of these guys on those shorter one-year deals. But let's let's keep it moving, T. Willie. Sorry, uh, go ahead. But before we finish that, the CBA ends um, next year. So I think a lot of these teams are banking on – the the uncertainty we should say of the CBA and what's gonna go what's gonna happen. So they're trying not to sign guys for long term deals unless they really 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 need them. And I think we're gonna see more and more of that with the one term deals as as the more free agency goes, and the further the further it gets into this, we're gonna see teams that are very very uncertain of the future and uncertain of how much they are willing to spend any more than a year from now. Just because the CBA is coming up, especially now that there's no fans, essentially, and yep. the the revenue is going to shift like massively. So we're going to be 
you're going to see a different like era of, of MLB contracts based on these past two seasons because because of the revenue for these teams has drastically drastically decreased. And it's unfortunate to see because, I mean, obviously, we're obviously always pro player and we want to see the players make as much money as they possibly can for as long as they can. But these these owners of these teams are not going to be willing to fork out the same type of money that they were five, six years ago to to certain players. So we're going to see we're going to see a big, big shift in these next couple of years. I, I hope they can obviously come to an agreement and keep keep MLB rolling because that's kind of what uh, lets us meet up every couple nights and talk to, talk yep. about this stuff. Yep. But yeah, we're gonna see. I I just had to throw that in there. But before we before we finish up tonight, we want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they they finally got Kyrie back. Kyrie decided that um, he no longer wanted to be in timeout and he was ready to come back to the team. And breaking news, guys. Breaking news. Uh, you're hearing this here live. Kyrie Irving, basketball player for the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving is playing basketball. So bre- breaking news. He took a break from his artistry. Um, I know we give him a lot of shit, but uh, Kyrie is back. But he deserves it. <laughs> I know. He's, he's tough to root for. But anyways – like I, I think that was the biggest thing was like, what are they going to be when they've got all three of these guys and are they going to be the best offense? Are they going to be the worst defense? Are they going to be both? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. All the above would be the, would be the correct answer. And we were both just talking about this. They've got to figure out a way to ship him off right now and, and cut him cut him from the cut him as one of the tentacles that are on this team because we saw the two games that Durant and Harden played together and that was impressive they were great they were unreal I mean I'll I'll be the first to admit that Harden finessed the absolute shit out of us and got himself to Brooklyn and he is not fat and he is still very very good and he's still the MVP um is he the MVP no Giannis is MVP Giannis Former, former MVP. Yeah, he's won it before, and he's he puts up MVP numbers every year. And those two were, was the perfect blend of offense and a little bit of defense because KD can actually play some D. And but when when you've got Kyrie on the floor, now you've got Harden and Kyrie who both don't necessarily want to play defense. And if they're playing against anyone who's got a point guard, which almost every single good team in the East has a point guard who can score, uh, i.e. I'm not even going to say good team, just team. Yeah. Like the Cleveland Cavaliers, Colin Sexton just torched, torched these dudes. Torched. I mean, he just put on an absolute clinic against these guys. And I've, it was a nice little, like, shield by Kyrie by saying, like, yo, he's proud of him. And he's, like, all happy that he was, like, honored by the Cavaliers. Like, bro, you got roasted for, like, 40 points a night against Colin Sexton. Like, you shouldn't you shouldn't have been so – Do you picture Michael Jordan saying that after he got roasted? <laughs> That's all you need to know. Yeah, no. I, I, again, I mean, it's just another example of Kyrie Irving – no, he's an artist, though. Yeah, but, I mean, artists. Well, exactly. He's an artist. He's not a killer. He's not. And, and 
we're, we're going to get into it. Carry, carry on, carry on. I'm, I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold back on the, the Kyrie. Hayes so yeah, we, we were, we were all kind of holding out to see what was going to happen. And since they have been playing together, let's, let's pull up some of these scores that they've given up, but got you right here. it is not good. They, okay. So when Kyrie came back, which, okay. So against when, when Harden was there, they played against Orlando which they won 122-115. Uh, KD dropped 42 in that game. And Harden, I want to say, had like 36, and they were balling. Yep. Like, they looked really good. They, yep. It was much more than a seven-point game. And then they played Milwaukee, where they actually Great came game. out. And, and that was one of those games where we mentioned last week that they came out, and both of those teams wanted to kind of prove, like Milwaukee needed to prove that they were still better than Brooklyn and they were going to be able to beat them. Like doesn't matter if Harden's on the team anymore. And I thought, I thought Brooklyn kind of like had control of the entire game, even though it was very, very close. Obviously Milwaukee's a really good team, so it's going to be within a couple scores, but they won that game against Milwaukee as well. And then they go down to Cleveland and Kyrie. Vaunted Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. Oh boy! What's what's Cleveland's record on the year? I, they they're in the playoff picture right now. They're like sneaky, sneaky, not bad. But well, they got every big man in the league. They have stockpiled all the all the big men. I mean, but they're still the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I mean, so since since the arrival of the big three, right? So they beat Orlando one twenty. So here's the points they've given up: one fifteen, one twenty three, one thirty five, one thirteen, one twenty four, no, and twenty five, one twenty five. 147, excuse me, and then they they beat Miami last night um, or two days ago, 98-85. Miami's de- completely depleted. They don't have Tyler Hero. They don't have Jimmy Butler. They're reeling right now. They've been wrapped, They've been hit by COVID harder than anyone else. The point I'm making is they're giving up a shit ton of points. Yes. Okay. And this is in. So so here's the issue. Harden and Kyrie Irving are terrible defenders. And KD you can't have them both out. KD is a decent defender. So now you've got three guys on the court who are average. You got two below average and one average defender. And I'm not gonna like bash Joe Harris too much, but Joe Harris is not that good of a defender either. So if you're the if you're the Nets, who are you closing games with? I mean, you've got Jeff Green, like, okay, that's fine. And DeAndre Jordan, is DeAndre Jordan gonna try to close games at, at center for the Nets? I mean I, I, I just – listen, what they can do offensively is is amazing, and they're, they're going to have more firepower than anybody in the East. But I think there's real problems in terms of what they, what they can do defensively, and especially when you get in a situation where if Harden's shot's not falling, if Kyrie has an off night um, – KD and, will be there. Yeah, but, but are they going to be able to stop teams enough to, enough to prevent that? I mean, listen – the, the sheer fact that they have Katie Harden and Kyrie on a team makes them hands down the favorites to win the East. I don't, I don't think you can debate that necessarily, but I personally think that they're not going to be able to come through because of the, the, the lack of defense. And then also let's talk the fit, the, the chemistry, how they all fit together. So James Harden goes for, I think 30 and 10, his first two games playing with KD. They definitely had a good little two man, like, you go, I go. Some good feel. Some good. They were they were finding each other on open looks. 
And then Kyrie comes in and Harden immediately goes in the tank. And you could tell Harden is deferring to try to make everything work. But if you have a, to be the nice guy. if you have a former MVP who has had the highest usage rate in league history for three straight years, now deferring again, like problem is, yeah, problem. yeah. Is that, is that a good, is that a good fit? I just, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see. And it, it's a shame because honestly watching, uh, I watched a second, uh, Brooklyn uh, Cleveland game and Kyrie Irving is so freaking good at basketball. I mean, it, it is insane. He truly is just unbelievably talented, especially on the offensive end of the floor with, with what he can do. But I've got concerns about the makeup of this team. I've got concerns about the health of Kyrie KD and Harden historically have been pretty healthy. Uh, I have concerns about, them being a defensive liabilities in a deep, hard-fought playoff series. Uh, and then I have concerns about just the the chemistry and the makeup and if they're going to actually be able to sustain this harmony that they have. They're in the honeymoon phase right now. Are they still going to be feeling this way two months from now? We'll, we'll see. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, well, th- let's just think about – and I know, like, I'm jumping the gun by saying this, but let's just go straight to the finals right now. And let's go Lakers versus Nets. And like they have a serious, serious matchup problem. Yeah, and uh, I mean Davis is going to get sixty. Yeah, who's going to guard LeBron? You 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 asked two really good questions that I don't (laughs) that that are glaring, glaring issues. I mean, you you can't put Harden on him. You can't. KD can try to guard LeBron. Short stretches, and then. AD is just if, – if KD is guarding him, then AD is going to just score every single time he has the ball. And then let's not forget about the rest of the Lakers staff. I, I mean, not staff, but the, the rest the of the roster, Lakers yeah. roster. They're, they're much better than people give them credit for. And like with Caruso and – Schroeder's um, really good. Schroeder's really good. KCP is playing well this year. Yep. I mean, that, that the, Lakers, the Lakers have only gotten better. From, from last year where they were at. Right, I know this, it, this spells a game where Kuzma would just go off against these guys. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, I, you bring up good points, though. I mean, who's going to guard LeBron and AD in the, in the finals? I, that's – that's and the Lakers have a ton of athletic wing defenders. I mean, no, nobody can guard Harden and Durant and even Kyrie to a certain extent, but they have bodies that they can at least throw at them. I mean, are you going to put – are you going to try to put DeAndre Jordan on – Anthony Davis at times. I mean, if you've got Kevin Durant guarding Anthony Davis, I, that seems like a quick, uh, like foul trouble situation for Kevin Durant. So I, I, I don't know. And we'll, we'll see too. I'm not, I still think the Nets are going to have a hard time coming through the East. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, and the other, the other thing too, that I want to see is what, what other moves are the Nets going to make? What can they do to bring in some depth or, or add some key rotation pieces to that roster as we, as we go forward? I know it's, I know it's kind of recency bias, but I feel like they might be able to make another trade with Cleveland and try to get like one of those big men that can try to help them stop and kind of switch up their style of defense that they're playing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's it's tough because they just gave up jared allen right i mean it they yeah that was kind of the guy you needed you're seeing that they really i feel like the it sounds kind of crazy to say but jared allen would have been nice to have again let's let's not listen if if i'm the nets i think i make that trade too you anytime you have a chance to get this roster together the question is going to be for the nets can they get 
Kyrie and Harden to buy in on effort defensively. You can't tell me that these guys can't be league average defenders if they just want to. They're both athletic enough, and especially for Harden, big enough to where they should be able to be average average defenders. I think the real question is for the Nets, Dan Tony's there with Nash. Nash, this is his first time. I mean, I don't know how much I kind of get the sense that maybe Dantoni's really like the head coach and yeah, Nash is kind of show. a figurehead. And for Dantoni, he's his system has never worked in the playoffs. He's never he's never even been to the finals, I don't believe. I yeah, I'm actually I, that's, Do you think he's happy to be back with James Harden? I mean, he just loves offense, so I'm assuming I that. I think so. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, for Dantoni, that's just that's just his MO, but I mean, he's been coaching for a long time in this league, and that system produces a lot of victories in the regular season. Uh, but we've seen time and time again, it just it doesn't seem to work out that well in uh, in the playoffs. So I don't know, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for the Nets moving forward. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're gonna have a lot more time to talk about this, and hopefully, we got more Kyrie, more. More uh, James Harden, uh, more more KD news and drama. I mean, the, there's no way these guys are just going to try to cruise the rest of the season without stirring shit up. You know, that, that's how they live. That, yep. That's what makes them go. Like, yep. Kyrie ain't about just going out and balling. Like, he he wants the drama. He wants all the smoke that he can get. And Absolutely. I hope he brings it. But let's go to the West real quick. I hate to say I called it, but. Well, we called it, I should say. The Suns were hot to start. They looked good. And I'm always going to root for them, but we've, we've, we've got to understand when, when real is real and the Suns are not quite there yet. I know, I mean, DeAndre's had a couple good games and they seem to be the most trendy team. Like they'll be up, they'll be down, they'll be up, they'll be down. And then they find themselves right in the seven to nine seed and they're not necessarily going to be a contender quite yet and cp3 has a very limited time frame that he's going to be able to continue to keep this going so i mean i'm just looking at the standings right now um the lakers are undefeated on the road this year which that's dangerous you know like they're four and four at home and they're 10 and 0 on the road going to other other teams so i mean I, i hate to like already call it for the Lakers, but the, the Clippers do not, they do not have the grit and the toughness that they did last year. I thought they were a much more like of a grinder team last year that was going to like be more physical and get in your face. They're not those guys this year. They're more of a finesse, like three point shooting team. That's going to try to outshoot you when you've it, to, in order to try to like beat LeBron, you can't just try to outshoot him for four straight games. Like no. that, that ain't going to work. No. So I, I don't want to ruin the rest of the NBA season for anybody who's watching, but uh, the Lakers are in first place. The Lakers are going to win the West. They're going to be in the NBA finals. They're probably going to win. No, nobody. I mean, this barring injury to barring major injury to the, uh, to the Lakers they're they're This is a, <laughs> they're winning the West. It's a guarantee. Nobody in the West can beat them. I know Utah looks really good right now. I mean, Explain to me how Utah beats the Lakers in a seven-game series in the playoffs. It's it's not – the Jazz are having a nice season. Maybe they can make a conference finals. The Clippers – Clippers have looked good so far. We'll, we'll see. I mean, the Clippers are the only team that I think could potentially give the Lakers trouble. But, at, honestly, at this point, 
Paul George, like, I don't care if he wins the MVP in the regular season. I, honestly, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be mean to Paul George. Yeah. He finished. He finished second in the MVP two years ago in OKC. OKC. We've seen him play at this level before, but but for Paul George, you're at that point. I don't give a shit until you show it to me in the playoffs. Yes. So I, I, he can average forty. Me wrong. He can average yeah. forty-five points a game for the rest of this regular season, and that does absolutely nothing to change my mind. The Nuggets, Jamal Murray has cut. Jokic is great. Jamal Murray looks very human, and then we've got the Blazers, Grizzlies, Suns, Warriors, Spurs, and Mavs rounding it out. I mean, nobody's beating the Lakers in the West. If the Warriors get Clay back, is that something like at the end of the season? Like, if, let's say they make it into the playoffs as like the seven seed, and they don't necessarily have to play the Lakers first round, is there a, is there a path for them or no? Not really. <sighs> I, I don't think they're going to get Clay back, honestly. That timeline from the Achilles. But I saw the video of him shooting hoops underneath the basket. The <laughs> I mean, listen, listen. If Clay came back, that would be that would be great for the NBA. Uh, but no, I don't. No, uh, I don't think they can beat the. I mean, I don't want to just make it suck for the rest of the. The Lakers are winning the West. That's that's a guarantee. I feel. Barring any major injuries, I feel like that's as big, as easy a lock as there's ever been in pro sports in terms of nailing that. Right. Yeah. You I just well bet the mortgage on the none Lakers of these. None of these teams can beat the Lakers in a in a seven game series. So however much you can afford to place on the Lakers to win the West, probably just do it. Yeah. I. I mean, and honestly, too, like futures bets, LeBron to win MVP, I feel like is still is still really good really good bet i think he was like plus 800 maybe plus 900 maybe even higher than that at i mean they're going to be the best team in the west and he's going to be the best player on the best team i mean that's a usually good, works out that's well, that's man. i'm no genius but that's a pretty good start towards winning the mvp so yeah i mean because now harden and kd are a little bit diminished and i mean other than Giannis, but uh, are we going to just keep giving it to no, him no you're not he's not going to win it no matter what he does because of voter fatigue i don't think people would uh yeah i, I think feel that would, would vote for him uh again so yeah i don't know man we'll we'll see about the east the east to me is more interesting obviously philly philly looks good so far i'm still not a uh not a believer necessarily, but yeah. I, so we got what is it what to win the, the West? Right the the Lakers are even money almost. I so I I say hammer it right now. Hammer it. I mean the Lakers are plus one. So here you go. This is this is the odds. Future odds right now. Lakers are plus one ten to win the West. The Clippers are plus two seventy five. The next best team is plus eight fifty with Utah. So I mean. You've got the odds right that there. Seems like a no-brainer. You've got, the, I mean, you've got the odds. Like Vegas, that's, that's Vegas is Vegas is literally telling you that the Clippers like have a little bit of a chance, but not really. They and, might take it to seven, and nobody else has a chance. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I how much money you got? Go, go ahead. Let's pull this together. If here. anyone wants to make a large cash donation of um, funds that they don't necessarily need. Uh, you can Venmo me. You still might lose them. But... Yeah, you might lose them. No. <laughs> I know I just said it was a guarantee, but it's it's a disclaimer. It's actually not a guarantee. So, you know, versus the East, right? You got the Nets at plus 140, Bucks at plus 300, Celts at plus 550, Sixers at 550. So Sixers would be the best value there. Yeah, I think so. Um, They're in first place, and they actually look good. They can actually spread the ball out with Curry. Yeah. Well, just, the other Curry brother. Yeah, Seth is a uh, – He's on the come up for sure. I mean, talk, the X factor, talk, talk about a dude that's that was that was a great trade too. The Richardson and Curry trade I thought was really good for the Mavs and the Sixers. I, I like that from both ends. But 
Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. I think I feel like you're just saying that because you have Joel Embiid on your fantasy team, but um, one can dream. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens in the East. The, the, I, 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 I just I don't trust the Sixers yet. Yeah, but we'll we'll see what they can do. I, the West is over. The East is more open. I mean, can Indy like what's the ceiling for Indiana? How how deep can the Indiana championship? Get? They can get to the championship, but they won't win. Proper championship. Yeah, they're not going to beat any of those four teams. Yeah, you're probably right. How? What about the Celtics? Are the Celtics kind of dangerous? Like, do yes. we? Could they win the East? Yeah, they could easily. I, win the I mean, I think if Kemba comes back and you keep seeing Tatum and Brown are playing at at a big time level, I, I'd be interested to see too what the Celtics trader Danny Ainge. He's known for making moves. What are the Celtics going to do to improve that roster? Because I feel like they're a little short. Um, you know, no play on words there, but like they they could use some depth at, at a big man for sure, uh, and just overall roster depth as well. I love, but I love their. Why don't they play Taco more? I don't know, man. I don't know. He seems legit. He's but... he's super tall. I mean, he's really tall. Very tall. He's super tall. So I like his head touches the net. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll all tweet Brad Stevens and see if uh Yeah, just play the man. Yeah, just put him in, see what happens. Yeah. So I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. I'm looking forward to to uh keeping up with the rest of this NBA season, but yeah, I don't know. T Willie, you got anything else on that? No. Uh we want to thank you guys again. If you're still lo- listening with us, please tell a friend, please let them know. Say hey. <laughs> If you got if especially like I mean, there's always that guy at work that you talk to, right? That you as soon as you like strike up a convo with him, you're talking sports within like after hey, how's it going? Let him know. Say, hey, dude, I got a podcast that we can both listen to and both shoot the shit about yep. from here until forever. Podcast so buddies. yeah, podcast bros, rally caps on, man. Let him know. Tell one friend, tell Tell a few friends if you have to, you know, like next time you're at your, like your family dinner, just, just shoot it out there and mention it and be like, Hey, if you guys like sports podcasts, you know, I got a, I got a great one that I'd, I'd like to throw your guys way. Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to get some hot takes. I mean, I, I hope you guys like what's coming out here right now. So we appreciate you guys listening. We have a ton of fun doing this and just communicating with you guys. So just please let us know how we can continue to improve. We hope you like today's interview with Kyle and we'll hopefully we'll have him back on and maybe have a special guest with him next time. I don't know, but we want to thank you for listening and let's go boys rally caps on. We're going to do another episode on Thursday night or Friday night. What do you think? I think Thursday. Yeah. Thursday night. So you'll have one going into the weekend. I know this weekend's a little bit more dull. We might talk some golf this weekend just because uh, there's got to be some kind of golf tournament going on. We haven't talked golf in a while, and they're starting to play again. So yep. we're, we're going to be talking a little golf this weekend. Shit. But, all right, let's get into it. Um, and we're going to finish that Tiger documentary. I know we've been kind of uh, – we've been pushing that back a little bit. We're, we're going to finish episode two of Tiger. And I think that's all. That's all. All right, guys. Rally caps on. We appreciate it. Thank you.